New York City will soon be among the places where people can acquire medical marijuana with a prescription. The city's first marijuana dispensary is scheduled to open in January near Manhattan's Union Square. I'm George Borarki, and this is Cityscape. Under a law signed by Governor Cuomo in June of 2014, five companies will be allowed to grow cannabis and operate 20 dispensaries throughout New York State. Many people have slammed the legislation as being the most restrictive in the country. Our first guest is New York State Assemblyman Richard Gottfried. He's been on the front lines of the fight for access to medical marijuana since the 1990s. Assemblyman Gottfried, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me. Happy to. So you've long been an advocate of medicinal marijuana. How did this issue first get on your radar? Well, back in 1996, we all saw the results from uh, the state of California and several other states that uh, passed referendums uh, allowing for medical use of marijuana. I understood right away that that made a lot of sense. It's been known for a long time that marijuana has legitimate medical uses, and it's only because of really political correctness run amok uh, that the federal government has not recognized that. And when it became clear that an individual state uh, could move forward, that made perfect sense to me, and I've been working to make that reality in New York ever since. Governor Cuomo signed legislation you sponsored last year. How hard of a fight was it for you to get it to that point? Well, it took us uh, 17 years. For the last several years, we've been able to easily get the bill passed in the state assembly. The state Senate, being a, a more conservative body, took a lot more persuading. And a lot of that was done by patients and and their families, particularly the families with very young children with a very severe form of epilepsy uh, that can be very effectively treated with a form of uh, medical marijuana extract. Uh, And I think those families really uh, changed a lot of hearts in the state Senate. Governor Cuomo was pretty hostile to the bill until the last several days before the end of the legislative session uh, when he demanded some pretty major restrictive uh, changes in the bill, and we made a judgment that it was it was important enough to get something passed, and we so we uh, reached an agreement, and the bill became law. So what were those restrictions that were put in? Well, uh, some fairly serious restrictions on the form that the medical marijuana can take, you know, for many patients smoking, the medical marijuana can be the easiest and uh, and most effective method and least expensive, but the governor just couldn't get his arms around the idea that uh, people would be smoking marijuana. Why he was so incensed about that, I, I still don't understand, but so the bill prohibits that. The governor insisted that uh, the number of companies involved be limited to five, and that the total number of dispensaries in the entire state be limited to no more than 20. And I still can't understand the purpose of that. There were numerous serious conditions that were excluded from the bill, although the health commissioner uh, has 
the power under the bill to add those conditions or others back in. The law will make access to medical marijuana difficult for many, many patients and impossible for some, but uh, we felt it was at least a step in the right direction. Right now, people who are afflicted with 10 different conditions can benefit from this legislation, right? Specifically 10 only. Correct. Although the health commissioner is under the law supposed to uh, come back with recommendations about several that are listed in the bill, uh, particularly post-traumatic stress disorder, and he can add other conditions if he chooses, and I hope that at some point he will do that. But right now, among those 10 specific illnesses, we're talking about cancer, HIV and AIDS, Lou Gehrig's disease, Parkinson's, epilepsy. Uh, yes, and, and, and a few others. So those five companies have now been selected, those five companies to legally grow and dispense medical marijuana mm-hmm. in New York State. How soon will it be before the program is fully up and running? Well, the health department says they expect this to all begin in January. That's a pretty tight time frame, and which includes uh, requiring, I gather, nine to 12 weeks to to plant the plants and have them grow to where they can be harvested. You know, there's not much you can do to speed that process. So hopefully product will be available in these 20 dispensaries in January, particularly for the young children with severe epilepsy. That's an awfully long time to wait. How do you answer the critics who are afraid of having these dispensaries located in their neighborhoods? People who say that people will get it, they'll resell it, it's only going to cause problems. Well, first of all, I don't know any neighborhood in New York State where you can't get recreational marijuana on almost any street corner. It will probably be, you know, street marijuana is undoubtedly going to be cheaper and easier to use to get high than any medical marijuana product, which will, among other things, have limited amounts of, uh, uh, of THC in them. In order to get medical marijuana, you, you will first have to find a doctor to write you uh, a certification. You then have to register with the state and get a photo ID card. So you've got to be telling the state, you know, here I am, here's my address. Um, I'm going to be acquiring medical marijuana. The quantity you can buy will be significantly limited, you know, over any period of time. So anybody who thinks that this is a way to get marijuana for recreational use or to resell it for recreational use really is going to be very disappointed and would be pretty dumb to try to do it in the first place. So at the earliest, we're talking about January 2016 for this to get up and running. That's Uh, a long time. Yeah, that's a long time to wait, I guess, for someone who is suffering from an affliction. That is true. And to me, the biggest tragedy is that it could have been been done in New York a whole lot earlier. uh, And suffering and lives could have been saved. Can the governor do anything in the meantime to expedite this process, make it available on an emergency basis? Well, particularly the uh, the version of extract called CBD, which is particularly important to the children with epilepsy, I believe under existing law could have been made available through clinical trials and what the FDA calls expanded access programs, uh, 
months ago. I just can't understand why the Cuomo administration has has really declined to act much more quickly and aggressively to get that kind of relief for these children. Other states have taken that kind of action, right? Other states certainly have. I mean, not only states that have legalized medical marijuana, you know, years ago, but uh, even states like Utah and Georgia and and a few others um, have gone out of their way to make the CBD product available quite some time ago. And that could have been done here in New York. So what's the next step for you? You fought for this for a long time. Hopefully it will go ahead and will work well for folks who are dealing with illnesses. What's next? Well, I keep pressing the administration to make specific forms more immediately available for the most seriously ill patients. I will also next year be pressing for legislation to undo some of the really, I think, unreasonable restrictions that the governor insisted on back in June of 2014 when uh, when he agreed to uh, support the bill. Uh, dispensaries ought to be, there ought to be many more of them around the state. I mean, the notion that 20 retailers are going to be able to serve a state with 20 million people and 54,000 square miles uh, just makes no sense at all. The law now requires that the company that produces the product must also be the company that dispenses it. And, you know, there is almost no area in our economy I can think of where where the manufacturer of a product is the same company as the retailer. You know, if, if, if a beer company wants to open a restaurant or a beer store in New York State, they're prohibited by law from doing that. Why the governor insisted on these companies being a unified entity, uh, to me, makes no sense. So as you said, you can't smoke it. For those unfamiliar with it, what are the forms that you can then legally ingest it? Well, basically, uh, it can be made available in, in, in capsules. It can be made available in, a, in substances that would be vaporized. You could compare that to an electronic cigarette. It, it doesn't burn it. It converts it into a vapor uh, that you can inhale. Any smokable form is, is prohibited uh, under the law. I don't think those restrictions make sense. They make it more difficult and expensive to use. Um, and for many patients, inhaling is the easiest way to, to limit their intake uh, but also to bring quicker uh, relief of symptoms. Assemblyman Gottfried, thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. That was New York State Assemblyman Richard Gottfried. Along with lawmakers, plenty of advocacy groups have joined the conversation on the medical marijuana issue. Julie Netherland is the Deputy State Director for the New York Policy Office of the Drug Policy Alliance. The alliance created Compassionate Care NY. Compassionate Care is described as a statewide group of patients, providers, and organizations working together to relieve the suffering of seriously ill New Yorkers by establishing a carefully regulated medical marijuana program in New York. Julie, thanks so much for coming into the studio. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. So put a face on this issue for us, this medical marijuana issue. Who is it that is directly affected by this law now in New York State? 
Well, I'm really glad you asked that question. I had the privilege of working for a patient coalition called Compassionate Care New York for the past three years and had the opportunity to meet hundreds of patients across the state of New York. And who we're talking about are lots of folks who are suffering right now who are uh, looking for some relief. And that includes terminal cancer patients. It includes people living with multiple sclerosis. It includes young children suffering from severe forms of epilepsy. Lots of folks living with HIV AIDS uh, who could benefit from this medication and a, and a range of other people. So this is really about alleviating uh, human suffering more than anything else. Now, the law currently on the books only applies to certain conditions, correct? That's correct. There are only 10 conditions covered by the law, and that was a compromise made during bill negotiations at the end of the session. It certainly covers far fewer patients than we had hoped and certainly far fewer patients that could potentially benefit from medical marijuana. So it's, um, it is going to help thousands of patients, but there are also thousands of patients who are going to be left behind. What conditions are now not covered by the medical marijuana law that you think should be covered? Well, there are literally dozens uh, that the research shows medical marijuana could have a therapeutic benefit from. But some of the ones we're most concerned about include post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, where there's very solid research that the symptoms of PTSD can be alleviated by medical marijuana. And thousands of people, uh, as we know, who are suffering from that condition and not a lot of good traditional pharmaceutical treatments. So that's one that we're very concerned about. Alzheimer's is another um, that was left out. Uh, where there's some very um, promising preliminary research that it could be beneficial there. But there, there are literally dozens and dozens of other conditions, including a lot of chronic pain conditions that are not covered by the current law. Are there other states that are more inclusive? Absolutely. Um, in fact, most states are, are more inclusive. And some states like California, uh, there's a lot of discretion that physicians have to make a recommendation uh, to patients. So I would say that with the possible exception of New Jersey, uh, New York's law is one of the most restrictive in the country. So we have this law on the books here in New York. It is moving forward. Now, what are the areas that you think need improving? Well, top on our list is expanding the number of medical conditions that are covered because we would like to see those patients who are suffering uh, have access to the medication. We're also concerned about the limited number of dispensaries and producers allowed in New York under the current uh, regulatory framework. There are only five producers for the entire state of New York. Each is allowed to have four dispensaries. So that's 20 dispensaries for a state of 20 million people and almost 54,000 square miles. So there are huge parts of the state where people are simply going to have a very hard time getting to a dispensary. And it's important to remember that many of the people we're talking about are quite sick and disabled, and so travel is particularly challenging for them. So that's an area of concern as well. There are, there are other issues that we have with the bill, including the limit on the kinds of uh, medical marijuana that are available. Uh, there will only be oils and tinctures. Other applications that we know are beneficial that are allowed in other states include edibles and topicals and patches. There are lots of new forms coming out uh, for delivering of the medicine. And there's also in New York a restriction on the number of strains that will be produced. Each producer is only allowed five strains. So that's 20 strains for the entire state of New York. If you go to a state that has a medical marijuana program and walk into a dispensary, what you'll see is literally dozens and dozens of strains. And that gives patients and doctors the flexibility to really try to find a particular strain that's going to best treat the symptoms that an individual patient is struggling with. Now, it will also be a while before this program is fully rolled out in New York State, correct? That's right. And, you know, people talk a lot about the timeline of this of this law, and I think one of the things they forget is that how long it took just to pass the bill. 
So Assemblyman Gottfried, bless his heart, uh, introduced the bill in 1997, right? And it wasn't passed until 2014. And there are patients that have been working on it literally for decades. So the bill was signed into law uh, in July of 2014, and the state has 18 months uh, to implement the program. Everything we've heard from the Department of Health is that they plan to be fully operational in January 2016. What we know, unfortunately, is that patients need this now. And we work with a number of uh, terminally ill patients as well as families of children with severe forms of epilepsy uh, who could really benefit from this medicine. And unfortunately, just since the bill was signed, there have been four uh, children who have died just associated with our campaign uh, who could have potentially benefited uh, by having medical marijuana reducing the severity or number of their seizures. So we've been fighting very hard with a lot of other people for an emergency access program that would expedite uh, medicine to those those folks who are so critically ill uh, that waiting until January 2016 really poses a hardship. And what is the status of that fight for you? Well, you know, the I have to say it's, it's been frustrating because there was an emergency access provision in the original bill uh, that Assemblyman Gottfried championed, and that was taken out during negotiations with the governor's office uh, prior to the bill's passage. And what was the reasoning for that? They didn't give a reason. Um, so I, I don't know what the reason for that is. But immediately after the bill was signed, we, we launched a campaign to try to get expedited access and negotiated with the governor's office for months, proposing a number of different solutions on how we thought they could get medicine to these critically ill patients. And unfortunately, idea after idea was rejected uh, by the governor's office for, in my view, what were sort of bureaucratic and legalistic reasons. What were among those ideas? Well, one was to fast track a producer, a single producer that could get medicine um, quickly as this particular kind of medicine that would really benefit uh, these children that are at high risk for um, uh, death from seizures. That was one idea. Another idea was to um, bring in medicine from other states and get permission from uh, the Department of Justice and law enforcement officials to do so legally. Another idea was to simply get the district attorneys and law enforcement in the state uh, to issue an assurance to those patients that if they had obtained medicine from the illicit market or from another state, that they wouldn't be prosecuted. So those were some of the ideas that we floated. When those were all rejected, we, we went back to the legislature. And again, Assemblyman Gottfried introduced a bill. And much to many people's surprise, we passed it in both uh, the Senate and the Assembly uh, this June. And what, where we are now is uh, waiting for the governor to sign that bill. Okay, so you're waiting for the governor to sign that bill. It doesn't have to go back through the legislature this session, right? He just needs to ink it. That's correct. The bill, the bill has been passed in both houses. It had broad bipartisan support. Uh, it would fast-track production of one producer and try to get medicine to those uh, critically ill patients as soon as possible. And what are you doing to put pressure on the governor right now? Well, you know, our uh, patient advocates are pretty fierce, and uh, we've had an ongoing campaign really for the past year uh, around this issue, and that's included everything from call-in campaigns to email alerts. We rallied outside of his office, I think, twice. Um, so we're doing everything we can to, to draw attention uh, to this issue. I have to say the media has also given it a lot of coverage, which has been extraordinarily helpful. Um, but I think what people lose sight of... Um, because there's a lot of misconceptions and stigma surrounding marijuana in general, is what's really at stake. And what's really at stake is young children uh, and their families who are suffering every day. You know, and, and I'm, I'm talking about, you know, Oliver from Long Island and Morgan from Westchester. 
you know, and, and, and Katie from the Hudson Valley. I mean, I know these kids and I know they're suffering and every day they wait is a day that they're at risk. What would you say are the biggest misconceptions that still surround medical marijuana today? Well, I think the biggest misconceptions that surround medical marijuana in particular is who medical marijuana patients are and why people are seeking it. Unfortunately, I think there's still a, a perception that people want to use medical marijuana just to get high. And I have to tell you, there are much easier ways to get marijuana uh, if that's your if that's your end goal. What we're talking about really are, are patients that want to alleviate pain and suffering um, and oftentimes have run out of traditional medications and pharmaceuticals um, are no longer helping them. And so, you know, one of the things I know that's happening now that the production is rolling out is there are concerns that community members have about a dispensary or a production facility coming into their communities. And one of the things I think is important for people to recognize is that this these are going to be very well-regulated, very secure facilities um, and the folks going to them are going to be your, your neighbors and community members, uh, folks that are suffering with ailments like uh, cancer, HIV, AIDS, you know, multiple sclerosis. Some people are concerned that these dispensaries will bring crime into their neighborhoods, that some will come in and try to break into these dispensaries. I've heard that concern. And what I would say is that I think you need to be more concerned about the Duane Reed on the corner that's selling much more um, dangerous and addictive substances. And what we know from states like California and Colorado uh, that have had uh, medical marijuana programs for a long time is that there hasn't been an increase in crime surrounding dispensaries. And in fact, there's some evidence to suggest that crime may decrease in the immediate area simply because there's such high security and a lot of video surveillance. And so I think it's just important to separate fact from fiction here and really sit down with the producers and sit down with patients um, and learn a little bit more about what the issues are uh, and who we're talking about. Not that we're looking to get anyone into any trouble, but how common is it that families are getting a hold of marijuana illegally to alleviate the pain of their family members? Well, it's a very difficult thing to to quantify, you know, and I think the thing that's important to remember there is, I mean, certainly we've heard accounts of people doing that, and, and patients are in a very difficult position right now where they're they're faced with the suffering of a loved one, and their choices really are uh, to break the law, move to another state, um, or wait, right, until the program becomes fully operational. And that's a very untenable position for a lot of, of families to be in. The thing uh, that's important to remember about the current sort of state of affairs and why we really want to improve patient access is that it's not uh, sort of an equal playing field when you're talking about getting medicine um, from another state or from the illicit market, right? You have to, if you want to go to Colorado, for instance, and get this particular kind of medicine, you have to have a certain amount of money uh, to do that. Uh, we also know that the way marijuana laws are, enfor- are enforced is really racially disparate. And so that if you're a person of color or from a community that's heavily policed and you're skirting the law, you're much more likely to face um, criminal sanction and punitive measures than you are if you're from a white affluent community that is not as heavily policed. And so people are certainly doing it, but it's important to realize that people are, are paying, literally paying different prices and taking different risks to do so. And that's not fair. You referenced Colorado. I think you referenced California as well. What state, though, would you say is the model for medical marijuana? that there's a single model. I think it's, you know, there are 23 states now, almost half the states that have medical marijuana programs. They're all a little bit different. Um, I think what we've seen as this movement has progressed, uh, really moving west to east uh, in large part, is an increasing focus on regulation. And I think that's a good thing. I think all of us want to see a well-regulated industry that um, prioritizes patient safety. But what's happening in states like New York and New Jersey is an overemphasis 
on regulation and to such an extent that the program has become quite narrow and restrictive. And so I think the, what the best programs do is really balance regulation and patient access. And I think in New York, we've tipped too far uh, towards the regulation in a way that's really going to leave patients behind. Julie, thank you so much for coming in. Sure. Thank you for having me. Julie Netherland is the Deputy State Director for the New York Policy Office of the Drug Policy Alliance. Our next guest comes at the issue of medical marijuana, not just from the standpoint of a doctor, but from that of a mom. Dr. Amy Piperato is an advocate for the use of medical marijuana to help those suffering with conditions like her son's type of epilepsy. Dr. Piperato, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. So why is the issue of medical marijuana important to you? Well, I have a four-year-old son with Dravet syndrome. Uh, He's been having seizures since he was three months old. And we have failed several anti-epileptic drugs, and uh, we're looking for alternatives that um, have a better side effect profile and uh, uh, will be better for him in the long term. Now, under the existing state law, would he even be eligible to use medical marijuana? Because I know it only covers certain conditions. Uh, Yes, epilepsy is one of the covered conditions, and New York does allow for pediatric use of medical marijuana. Okay, so what do you think of the law in place and the plan to roll out these dispensaries? Uh, I think the law in place is very restrictive, and I think that the dispensary model is going to be very difficult for uh, patients to get the medicine that that they require and that will be recommended by their physicians. Uh, with 20 dispensaries in the whole state of New York, there are people that will have to go hundreds of miles if they want to access this medication. Now, these dispensaries also won't open for quite a few months, right? From what I understand, you know, the um, Department of Health goal is to have the medicine available by January, but the license were just thwarted, and I don't know where the five companies are in terms of actually planting and cultivating their plants. So what do you think the state should be doing right now to help folks like your son? You know, there was legislation uh, that was passed for emergency access. Um, Emergency access would be very nice for the patients who are critically ill and may not uh, have until January to wait to have access for this medicine coming from New York. There are states that have very good programs in place and have medicine available. Uh, If New York could find a way to get the medicine to the patients that need it, uh, I think that would be ideal. Have you been advocating? Have you been lending your voice to that cause? I have certainly have um, spoke with my lo- local senator and even politicians on the county level um, to try and make this more workable. The emergency access bill uh, died on Governor, on Governor Cuomo's desk. Uh, he did not sign it into law. You're a medical doctor, but you're also a mom. So talk to me right now specifically from that point of view as to why this issue is so important to you as a mother. Uh, Well, as a mom, I've I've seen the medications that I've had to give my son, uh, the side effects um, of these pharmaceutical medications, which are approved, and also uh, a lot of the children with uh, this intractable epilepsy are given um, combinations of medications that have not been studied uh, to prove their efficacy or safety. Um, But the neurologists feel comfortable in their professional expertise providing uh, two or three or more medications to treat these seizures. Um, Cannabis as a treatment has a very good safety profile, uh, which has been proven on on many different levels. Uh, And I would 
it seems very unfair that my son cannot obtain this medication simply because he lives in New York, uh, whereas if I lived in a different state, he would be able to get this medication, and we would be able to see if it reduced his seizures and improved his cognitive development, and if we were able to uh, get rid of some of the pharmaceutical medications and their unwanted side effects. We sometimes hear stories of people who actually leave the state so their family members could benefit. Has that thought ever crossed your mind? Uh, It has, but both my husband and I um, are, uh, well, I I have a job that I need to maintain uh, for several reasons. I have two older children that are in school, so moving has crossed my mind. Uh, But luckily, Vincent is on the mild end of the spectrum, so I am not at, at the point of no return in terms of uh, using pharmaceutical medication for him. Are you in communication with other parents who are dealing with similar issues? Have you formed a network around this issue? Oh, absolutely. The Advocacy for Medical Marijuana in New York is a very vocal and um, active group. And, and yes, we have formed a network and have tried uh, to get reasonable access to cannabis as medicine uh, from, a, from a legal standpoint. And uh, we are left with the law that has been put into place. Dr. Piperato, thank you so much. Okay, thank you. That was Dr. Amy Piperato of Rockland County. So where do you stand on the issue of medical marijuana? Weigh in on our Facebook page. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. Past episodes of the show are available in our archives at wfuv.org slash cityscape. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. I'm George Boldarki. My thanks to producers Taylor Nolk and Claire Drake. It's WFUV and WFUV HD New York. Listener-supported public media from Fordham, the Jesuit University of New York. Music discovery starts here.